we're all powerful people, but we feel powerless because we give all of our time, thoughts, and energy to ideas, to political narratives and news channels and relatives and toxic people and all these things that don't deserve it. Welcome to the Portage County Safety Council podcast. We hope you enjoy today's featured message. Hi, it's Mike with the Portage County Safety Council. I'm here with Dr. Kristen Dickerson from the Ohio Bureau of Workers' Compensation. Welcome back to the podcast. Hey, thank you. Thanks for having me. So before we get into talking about stress, can you tell our listeners just a little bit about what you do at the state? So I'm the statewide health, wellness, and special programs manager with BWC. So I work a lot with the Total Worker Health Initiative, and my current goal in life is to survive the pandemic. <laughs> Which you're heavily involved in. So if anyone yes. is qualified to talk about stress, throwing out all the educational aspects of it, it's you because you're in charge of the vaccination piece right now, or, or one of the well, people... Yeah, I'm working with the Vaccine Preparedness Office on distribution for vaccines. So we'll try to be easy on you today. It's all I'm Thank saying. You. So there's Thank you. Thank you. A lot of pressure <laughs> going on in news headlines about that. So, so let's talk about stress. What are you seeing out there from your position at the Ohio Center of Occupational Health? What's out there? What's going on in the workforce in regards to stress? So I think right now, if you're still working virtually and you're working from home, I think there's burnout. I think there's like a technology burnout. There's a, I'm tired of sitting in front of the computer burnout because we've been at this for nine months. At the beginning, it was something new, kind of excited, got to be at home, didn't have to drive anywhere, get to wear sweatpants. Well, now the novelty's kind of worn off and it's just hard because we're not interacting with humans like we used to. So I think that right now people are reaching that mental exhaustion because they've just been dealing with it for so long that they're starting to get really tired. Yeah. I, I saw something on LinkedIn the other day. It was a lady from Harvard and she said initially back in March, most of us handled it pretty well within reason. You know, even the communication from the states and the CDC and all that, we're going to lock down for a few weeks. We're going to wear masks for a few weeks. So we'll get back to normal. Even though you heard the new normal message, the common theme was 21 days, especially in Ohio, 21 days, three weeks, this and this. So in that initial phase, how we handle is just through adrenaline. That initial fight or flight mechanism kicked in. And so a lot of us, you know, it, it, it sucked. Obviously, we couldn't do a lot of things, but we just hunkered down and let adrenaline to kick in to get us through. Now we start hitting the fall. We're well beyond that phase. And so now, you know, I've seen on myself some character issues. And not that it's bad. It's just some things I'm like, wow, man, I thought I was a little more put together emotionally than I really was. But, you know, we start hitting the fall. And she said, it really has this deeper emotional center in people's, I I can't remember the language she used, but it's real brilliant. And it uses literally psychologically a different part of our brain's And the systems that that initial adrenaline, once that stage wears off, because this is more of a long-term problem. Yes. So in the beginning, it was easier because we were drawing on adrenaline. Adrenaline gives you energy. It allows you to actually focus better, even perform better. But the more that your body releases adrenaline and corticosteroids, epinephrine, because of stress, the more worn out your body gets. And right now we're having to to rely on resources that we never really draw on because this is something that we've never lived through. And because we have to rely on those resources, it does really take a toll on your psychological well-being. It is definitely a different response from different parts in your brain. The initial 
parts of your brain was probably more primitive. Now what we're dealing with is having to psychologically deal with what's going on and it's calling on the more um, developed parts of the brain. So it ends up having more impact on our feelings and our emotions. And definitely we just are more tired, even though we don't think we should be because physically we didn't do as much during the day. Yes. I was going to, I was going to bring that point up. I'm noticing that with people and we had a clinical counselor on a few weeks back in November. And she said, you know, one of the things I'm, I'm noticing is everyone's calling it like zoom fatigue, but it's really not. It's just, People are noticing people are tired, even through their conferencing. Yeah, well, because you have to realize, so you're under stress, your body's releasing these steroids, that takes energy from your body. But then on top of that, just the uh, dealing with the emotional impact and the emotional drain, your body has to figure out a way to survive through this. So it's using all those resources, so, so you're going to be more tired, just because of what you're dealing with mentally. Yeah, absolutely. And so that's a big thing, because... We know fatigue is a huge safety risk. Yes. OSHA, yes, OSHA some research I looked up, OSHA said fatigue, in, and I don't think they were looking, obviously, in the pandemic because the research was way before, but it could in, increase injury probability by up to 37%, yes. especially in those late night shifts. And they, I mean, let alone global pandemic, civil unrest. <laughs> right. Yeah. Like killer hornets, yeah. the, all the yes. other end of the world scenarios. The fly, that we're, we've yeah. Been the facing. flying snakes and the flying worms, <laughs> everything else. Yeah. I haven't heard about those yet, but uh, <laughs> yeah, they're probably in Australia. Oh yeah. Everything poisonous right. is there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. People are just tired. People are burnt out and literally that emotional burnout always leads to like a physical fatigue, doesn't it? I think we yes, underplay that in our culture. We, we do, because you, you have to realize that anytime your brain's working on something and figuring something out, that takes energy. Mm-hmm. And it's almost like, you know, how your computer slows down when you have too many browsers up. Yes. The same thing. If you've, con- if you've constantly got too many browsers up, you're going to be tired and you're going to be affected from this. A long time ago, the, the military did a study about soldiers and fatigue because they're mm-hmm. all often kept up. Sure. And they said that fatigue was actually severe fatigue and even equitable fatigue that we're going through right now can actually have more potential for accidents than drunk than being drunk like drunk driving and stuff like that that it is actually worse for you to be fatigued wow i have heard that with driving safety yeah yes yes so like a lot of times i don't think that we give ourselves credit for everything that we're dealing with during the day we just think okay well we're sitting in front of a chair but It does take extra energy and extra resources, and we need to be cognizant of that and kind of exercise a little bit of self-compassion. That's a good point. I always like to bring this up because I don't think just the everyday person understands this. And and I'm not a doctor, so I don't have a full grasp on it, but I've heard enough and watched enough TED Talks to get me in trouble. I always like to joke. (laughs) But uh, I went through a training at Ohio Safety Congress a few years back, and a gentleman named Scott Warwick had this brilliant presentation. And He just talked about, it was actually on the neurological side effects of being bullied and fantastic presentation, but he actually took MRI images of his own brain and showed how he phased through and went through the stress and different things he was going through. One of the things he mentioned was the chemical effect of stress on your body. And literally he would talk about, you know, like serotonin is the brakes of all the cortisol and adrenaline on all the, all the ones that get it, the fight or flight chemicals that get us going and serotonin are the brakes and serotonin is only developed in our bodies when we sleep. So we're, in a, we're caught in a catch 22 because we're kind of anxious now we're stressed out. We can't sleep. 
And so because of lack of sleep, we're not developing as much serotonin. And another point that he said is, is usually, and I've heard this with several different other uh, trainings and different things out there, do your most difficult task in the morning because you have more emotional energy with the chemical actually serotonin. So you have more in the morning because you just wake up and as you go on throughout the day, especially if you're doing new tasks or new stressors, you're, you're using more of that serotonin earlier. So what happens a lot of times is with that additional stress, we're burning ourselves out and maybe we're okay for the first three or four hours, but by the time the end of the day comes and works over, we're burnt out. And now that puts relationship burdens on us because now we're just bankrupt emotionally. Now we don't have emotional energy for our spouse, our kids, and that could cause a whole nother set of stressors. Yes. Yeah. And so here we are approaching you know, I don't want to say we're approaching holidays. We're approaching Christmas. We're a week away from Christmas from the day, I think. And uh, yeah, yeah. so here we are. And that's a, that's a stressful time because for a lot of people, but it's joyous, but it's also stressful. You have to prepare things. Are we getting a turkey? Gifts. Are they going to like it? What do I get? So-and-so. And we have all these small things that kind of build up, especially with everything going on in society. So walk us through that. What do we do? What do you recommend? How do we handle stress coming into time? such as this, where we have all these different stressors, we're going through the holidays, they're recommending that we don't spend time with families. I know some people like, screw that. Some people like, nope, no one's coming over. You kind of got people on both sides of it. They're like, you know, and how do we navigate and make those tough decisions in regards to the the additional stress that's going to be put on by all the relationship issues as a fallout from that? Yes. So the first thing that we all need to realize is that this year is not a normal year. I hope by now people do realize that because it's it's not normal. <laughs> yeah, I hope so. <laughs> yeah. Um, but we also need to apply that to our expectations for the holidays. These, these holidays are not going to be the same for anybody. In a normal year with holidays, we also need to kind of manage our expectations too. We don't need to try for, I know that we all as humans want everybody around us that we love and care about to have the best holiday ever. And that's like what we strive for. But we need to realize that sometimes the best thing is just spending time with one another or just even virtually like spending that time like that should replace gifts, especially right now with this year, because there's a lot of people that are that have missed family members because of COVID. Right. So it's it's really important to just manage our own expectations, because then if we can do that, we can help manage other people's expectations. One of the important things this year, though, is that a lot of those large family gatherings might not be taking place. So what we recommend is that you cope ahead. And you kind of start having those conversations and thinking about them. You should have probably already done it, but if you haven't yet, really think about the safety of your family, like the people that live in your house, and also the safety of others when we're trying to make those decisions about what to do for the holidays. It's important to kind of make your own decision about your health and safety first and let that guide your conversations with other people. When we have to have those hard conversations and we know that there might be some hurt feelings or people might get angry, we should have those conversations sooner than later. You can set up alternate Zoom virtual. Maybe there's an alternate way that you can still celebrate the holidays safely for everybody. But what we need to do is have those conversations and allow people to express their feelings and just say, I understand it's not what I want, but I'm just trying to keep you safe and I'm trying to keep myself safe. It's really important, especially during the holidays and right now, to hear what people are saying 
and give them time to kind of have their own feelings. It's okay right now to have any kind of feeling that you want to, and your feelings might change 10 times throughout the day right now. And it's just because of all the stress that we're under and all the changes that are going on in our life. It's as a human, we're trying to, to process all these, this stress and all these changes. So it's just really important that you give people time and you listen to what they're saying and you acknowledge their feelings. And then that does a lot for them and helps them resolve some of those negative feelings that they might have. That's a really big piece. You know, working in social work as a field and running the safety council, I'm part of two different, completely different worlds. And then having a business degree, it's, it's like I've had these three or four different realms kind of coming into one play here. And I've seen that a lot that in social services, we teach a lot, just like you said, and we understand how validating other people's emotions, whether we agree with it or not. And that's the hard part because let's face it, all of us think we're right. Otherwise we wouldn't think the way we do. We would think like them, <laughs> right. right? Yeah. And so even if we could be, you know, have walking some humility about it, we still have a tendency to think that we're right because it makes sense to us, whether we're arrogant about it or not, it's irrelevant. And validating those emotions I could see why you feel that way. I totally understand. But here's what I'm thinking. In ABC, that's a real important piece. And a lot of times we just, especially with family, we don't have a filter like we do with other people at work. We may do that at work, but we, we may not do that with family. We just throw it out there like, that's just dumb. Why do you think like that? Well, <laughs> right. Yes. Being a wuss, whatever, we're gonna, whatever right. language we're going to use, you know, just we're going to throw it out there and put more pressure because the boundary is different. We're much tighter group. We've had experience. We're kind of common and familiar with each other. And sometimes that gets away. But yet validating that emotions is so important because what, what you're saying is or what you're doing is how you feel is important to me, even though I don't agree with it. So I mean, I agree with what you're saying, but I understand why you feel that way. And a lot of times that can be enough. And a lot of times it's not, but it's the it's initial phase to kind of pull the, you know, the pressure valve, so to speak, and let a little steam off. And another thing you said that I really like is tell them, cope ahead, tell them now, tell them now and let this thing kind of play out. You know, a lot of times what happens is initially people are offended, but then they process it the next day, two, three days later. And then they think, you know what? I was kind of fired up. I was offended, had my feelings hurt, but then I, I see what you're saying. And so don't spring surprises on them on Christmas Eve Right. This year. Yes, that's not say, by idea. the way, maybe I'll see you next year. Kind of talk yeah. this through, you know, let them have their, you know, validate their emotions, but, you know, stand your ground. You don't have to compromise your own value system for other people, but you don't have to be rude either. And you don't have to be offensive intentionally. And so let's talk about coping ahead. Can we uh, zero in a little bit more? What is coping ahead? So we, you know, we don't want to tell people that we're not going to see them. <laughs> right. How do yes. we, how do we begin to deal with the trauma and the pressure that brings from all of us not being together with loved ones? So coping ahead, it's just thinking about how the holidays are going to look or how a stressful situation might look and handling it ahead of time, having those discussions ahead of time, but then also you internally handling it ahead of time. Because if you can, this doesn't just apply to the holidays during the pandemic. Although like this is definitely a different situation than any of us are used to. But if you have a stressful situation that you're kind of dreading, it's better if you start thinking about it instead of avoiding that. As humans, we have a tendency, okay, well, um, I'm kind of stressed about that. I'm not even going to think about it. If you can think about it prior to, you can sometimes come up with resolutions that are better for everybody and better for yourself. 
coping ahead also lets you know how you exactly feel about the stressful situation. Like if it's trying to avoid mass gatherings, not seeing family, if you think about it ahead of time, it gives you time to process your emotions and you end up being less stressed in the long run. So I know that you may end up having difficult conversations about the holidays. And I know that there's sometimes stressful situations that you kind of dread, but it's important if we can start thinking about them ahead of time and make plans and have conversations, we end up not going into our physical, physiological and our mental well-being. We end up not going into those reserves. It gives us time to process and kind of think about things. Yeah, this has been proven so many different ways. You know, one of the books out there, it, it talked about the difference between hot and cold moments. It's kind of how the author related to it. And a lot of the classes I've done over the years in support group type settings, a lot of people would come in initially and were like, this is dumb, I'm wasting my time. Everyone knows this. But they didn't realize the magic of it was in the conversation, creating space to cope ahead, really, to process it. And then when they got into a hot situation, the statistics prove that if you practice something or contemplate, kind of process that in a cold environment, in a hot environment, you're less likely to make a bad decision that you'll regret. And so that's key there. And another one is it goes back to serotonin where once your brain does something it's used to, it likes familiarity. It hates uncertainty, right? Routine, schedule. Yes. Yeah. That's why most of us hate change because we're hardwired (laughs) to hate it. Our brain likes familiarity. So anytime we do something, it'd rather do something familiar that's bad for you than for you to go venture off. I remember years ago trying to start back working out and going to the gym after work and I'd be tired after work. And I, I, you know, my mind is going, Mike, you need to get in there. My emotions are going, no, not the gym. Don't go there. Whatever you do, don't go there. Then I finally just put that voice down to keep going into you know, I'm, I'm doing mind over matter kind of thing. I'm making myself go and I go there. And then, you know, 10 minutes of the working out, I'm hating the whole time. Then after that 10 minutes, my emotions come back in. We're like, Mike, this is a great idea. We right. should do this yes. every day. Well, we can you do start, this three times a day. Because <laughs> you start releasing those feel-good chemicals, the endorphins yeah. and the dopamine, and they start coming out. So, yeah. And then just, it, they say the serotonin now, once you're used to something and has some kind of routine built on, it uses less. Mm-hmm. To make a process. So like the initial part of a diet or workout or, or new job or new routine or, you know, we have the kids at home and have to help them with math. Like we we're talking about before we start recording, <laughs> all that stuff is new and it's stressful. But as we get a routine laid down, it uses less of that serotonin. So that means we have more chemicals in our body that are going to help us fight off the other things. So that routine is a big deal and planning that out throughout the process helps that. So what else about coping ahead? Coping ahead, like you said, so if there's something that you're stressed about, you can start to create schedules and routines because like you've said, as humans, we like schedules and routines. If we have a routine or we have a schedule or we've thought about something, we spend less energy in the long run. And that's really important right now because there's increased needs of our time, not just with the holidays, but our time and energy resources, we're having to clean more, we're having to remember a mask, we're having to wear a mask. We might be uh, at home more with our family and we're not used to that. So all of that takes a lot of mental energy to make it through the day. So the more that you can think about and plan ahead and have things be routine and schedule, the better it is for you because you end up using less energy in the long run, just like with the serotonin. If you can create something that's familiar to you, your brain's more able to to navigate through it and make good decisions and your 
going to call on resources a lot less. I had this eye-opening experience in college one time, and we talked about the Stanford prison experiment. And I'm not going to go into the detail, but I'm sure you're familiar with it because everybody studies in college, I think. with I was in business studying, so I know people- I think everybody in, just studies yes. it here, yeah. And I remember coming across something, and, and I just- you know, I have to look more into this, especially what I do in social work. And so I was looking into it and one of the most mind blowing things, because there's a website, a documentary of this experiment, and just a quick snapshot for those of you who have no idea what I'm talking about, even though most people probably have, they made a mock prison back in the olden days in the sixties or seventies at Stanford University and they, they found like twenty two or something of the most sane students they could find from different backgrounds. They had no delinquency, no divorce in their family line, nothing. There's nothing they could find that, that would be an issue. And they broke some up, made them prison guards, some prisoners, make a long story short, they abused each other. <laughs> and uh it got real nasty. So after about five or six days or so, it was supposed to go on three weeks, but after five or six days they shut it down because they were worried about severe mental health issues in the people in experiment. And go, there's so much cool information on it if you haven't looked into it. But I was looking on their website and they had this like slideshow at the time, and I don't know if it's still up or not, but it's been years. But I was reading through the professor that ran the experiment and he even got caught up playing warden so much. He forgot he's running an experiment till a colleague came down and said, Hey, what are you learning? And he's like, Oh, wait, I need to stop this. I need to stop it. And that's when we decided to stop it. But he was doing exit interviews, like debriefing with, with people that were that took on the prisoner role. Okay. Now keep in mind they committed no crime in their real life. They just volunteered for this experiment. And he started asking him, he said, Hey, why didn't you just get up and walk out? It was an experiment. How come you just didn't say, Hey, I quit. I'm done. This ain't worth it. <laughs> I really didn't do a crime. Time out. I'm pulling, hitting the red button, whatever it is. And he would, he would ask them these, you know, why didn't you do? And, and the mind blowing thing is none of them even thought about it. And to me, I would have been like the first day I would have been like, peace out. I'm done. Right. I'll take, yes. I'll drop the class before the deadline to get out. One quote, one of the prisoners said was this, I'm not sure, but I think I just felt powerless to do anything about it. And so it hit me and it, and it kind of changed my life. One of those revelations that it just clicked when I read that line that here's just this person who's successful in everything in their life. Top student, never had any kind of issues, came from a great, perfect family or in a tough situation that they never experienced before. And now they're drowning in a feeling of powerlessness. Mm -hmm. And what happens is we're all powerful people, but we feel powerless because we give all of our time, thoughts, and energy to ideas to political narratives and news channels and relatives and toxic people and all these things that don't deserve it. And so it was an empowering moment for me personally, because I had people that would come. I remember a guy came to my, one of my classes and he's like, you're stupid. And this class is stupid. And he just kind of threw it out there. And I started laughing and I look at him and I just studied this stuff. Right. I mean, I just had this high opening experience and I looked at him and I said, Hey, you're being serious. First I thought he was joking. He was, he just came in in a bad mood and uh, he was being forced to go there. So he wasn't too happy about it. You know, he was being pressured from program he's in. So I look at him and I said, I'm across the room. And I'm, you know, the facilitator. And I said, Hey, I understand you don't like to be here. You don't like being told be here. I totally get that. I said, I, I validate his, his emotions. Like we talked about earlier. And I said, but here's the thing. You're a powerful person. He didn't expect me to say that. No. <laughs> I'm like, you're a powerful person. You have a choice. You could be here or not be here, but that's totally up to you. But if you decide to stay here, you're going to have to play nice with everybody else, including me. 
and he he made some kind of comment back and I, you know, like another little scruffy comment. And I, I said, Hey, I learned a long time ago not to give my power away to people that don't deserve it. And I was like, I respect you, but you really don't deserve me to give my power to you today. So I'm not going to let you get me upset. I noticed he was really trying to get me. He was intentionally trying to make me fired up. He was mm -hmm. trying to stir me up. And he sat there, didn't say another word. And he decided to leave that day and he never came back. That's fine. You would think, oh, that's a bad thing. I saw him at a Walmart randomly somewhere. And uh, he comes up. He's like, oh, hey, Mike. And I was like, oh, this guy's going to try to sweep, take a seat here or something, you know, from that last day. You know what I mean? But it wasn't like that. There was like a respect that came. And I, I was trying to create healthy boundaries with them. What I realized is this wasn't just with people I was working with. It started to grow. And I see it even in myself in everyday life of all the people I work with or colleagues, where whenever we get upset, whenever we raise our voice to our spouse or our kids, that's usually a sign that we're starting to walk in the edge of feeling powerless. Mm -hmm. And I've noticed because I work with homeless vets and people outside of work, a lot of tough guys that used to be, you know, drug dealers and just different stuff. I've met with some of the people, you know, like classes with them. And I've noticed one thing is all the tough guy and the anger, the rage at the root of all that's fear. There's fear. They're afraid of something, uncertainty or getting hurt or rejection, and they don't know how to express it. Anger and rage is almost like this defense mechanism mm -hmm. to make them feel safe because they're actually afraid underneath all that. But the thing is, we all deal with this sense of powerlessness. And, you know, none of us can prevent the fact that we're in a pandemic. Mm -mm. You know, I've, I saw someone post on Facebook the other day in our personal life, and they said, I don't know what I'm doing. My poor daughter's got B grades. And I said, you know what? That's one way of looking at it. I understand why you're disappointed. Again, validating emotions. But I said, this is a perfect time to teach your daughter resilience right? and how to handle and manage things that's out of our control. We can't control whether there's a pandemic or not. We can only choose how we respond to it. And so when I start to give into news channels pumping out fear, no matter what side you're on, you know, the whole mass thing that we went through this summer, right? What, yeah. what one side's afraid and one side's afraid of something else. So it's like, mm -hmm. okay, there's fear everywhere. And what, if I let that get to me, I've now gave that news channel my power. And guess what I do? I feel hopeless. Mm -hmm. yeah. well, these masks don't work. Or they're trying to take my rights away. Whatever side you're on, it doesn't matter. We literally give into these things and we're giving them our power, our emotional energy, our time. And what that looks like, I used to ask some of the guys I work with when we would talk about this. I was said, if someone came up and said the most insulting thing in the world to you, would you pull out a 20 out of your wallet and hand it to them and say, thank you, sir, I have another? And they looked at me like, no, that'd be stupid. I'm like, then why do you do it with your emotions? And they're like, right. huh? Yeah. And that's what we do. We give attention to things that don't deserve it. And at the end of the day, we now become bankrupt mm -hmm. emotionally because we have no energy for it. I know I threw a lot out there, but uh, no, that's okay. You triggered me, doctor. You triggered me. I now know. I'm going well, <laughs> and you're talking about powerlessness. And I think that is what creates a lot of stress in terms of the pandemic because like you said before nobody chose for this to occur we all feel powerless right now like we've got more regulations there's people telling us what to do what we can do and what we can't do so it's important to recognize that this might be causing us stress because if we can recognize that that's what's causing it it, that's the first step in trying to mitigate that stress and trying to handle um, the, the fallout and all the negative consequences. Absolutely. So one final thing before we get out of here, we're dealing with people and that's probably one of the most stressful things because we can have our minds made up, but then we feel other people's emotions and we really feel like, I don't want to hurt their feelings. 
I don't want to offend them. I mean, we're talking bosses, coworkers, relatives, spouses, kids, the whole gamut, you know, and it's, it's really hard to navigate, especially now when everyone's under a little bit more tension. I don't know anyone that says they can't see it. I mean, everywhere you go, I've had people at cell phone stores. Whoa, you're a little stressed out. <laughs> you know what yeah. I'm saying? I'm like, you yeah. guys aren't even busy as Walmart. So I'll just, I'm going through different phases and kind of seeing it and seeing it in my own life. And what else do we do? What kind of listening and what other things that we could do to help start to mitigate that kind of relational stress that comes as a result of that? So during any holiday season, it is very important. We talked, I talked about self-compassion, but you need to have compassion for other people. Be kind, that whole slogan. Everybody just needs to be a little kinder and, and try to remember that we don't know what other people are going through. We don't know if that person at the self, at the cell store just lost a family member. We don't know. Yeah. We don't know if the person on the street that is upset and crying, we don't know if they're receiving meals from a homeless shelter that got shut down because of COVID. Like we don't know what is going on in each other's lives. So it's very important to exercise self-compassion, but then also just exercise compassion for humans right now. Like, I think it's very important to, to understand we don't know what's going on in their lives. We don't know how stress is affecting them. And that's one of the first steps is just to, to be kind to other people and to just give people a break. Dr. Kristen, you're a wealth of information and we appreciate you. I'm glad you're working with the safety councils through your state. And we're very thankful for the state of Ohio letting you out and, and do all the things that you do. Thanks. And uh, we try not to take advantage of you too much, but you know right. I mean? We'll definitely ask you hey, to come back okay. at some point. <laughs> it's fun. It's fun. It's always fun. So any final takeaway for employers? Most of them aren't talking to employees about stress. We did a survey about that. The majority yes. either rarely or just barely sometimes talk to employees about stress. They talk to them a lot about safety and other things. If you had one tip or one thing, you would just like to encourage them with that being said, what would you say to those employers? The most important thing is to start the conversation. You need to start the conversation somewhere, somehow. It could just be before a meeting. Just check in with people. Hey, how are you doing? And listen to what they say. There's a lot of stigma when it comes to mental health and issues and making your employees feel like it's okay to have problems and issues and to come to you with them and to talk about those things. When you start the conversation, you open up doors, but definitely start the conversation and listen. Yeah. A lot of people still think mental health is like Mm -hmm. howling at the moon. Like they thought in the forties and fifties or something crazy. (laughs) Like you're a lunatic or something. No, 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 no. No, That's not what it is. It's what we're talking about today. It's about stress it's about catching yourself. We had a clinical counselor on again a few weeks ago. We asked, what is the key moment people should go get professional help? You know, we have our self-care that we practice every day, our routines, and then we have family and our support systems we reach out to. But when do we know it's time to go get further help? And she's like, anytime you're dealing with something prolonged that you can't shake yourself, it may be time to reach out. So that's mm-hmm. as simple as you can get. So if that's you yeah. listening today, reach out to someone if you have to. Start these new healthy self-care modalities, these routines that you could do. Start an exercise program, take a walk, whatever (laughs) it is. Whatever it is you're not doing, get more sleep, and then reach out to your support systems and make sure they're healthy. If you can't shake that off, go get professional help. There's no shame. You know, there's a stigma out there. There shouldn't be. It's just Mm -mm. if you break your leg, you're going to go to the doctor. So if if you have a broken heart or whatever it is that you're dealing with. There's no shame in going to a professional and getting that taken care of. So Dr. Kristen, for the third time, thank you again. Yes, thank you. 
Everybody out there, thank you and be safe. Thank you for listening. We hope you enjoyed today's podcast. For more episodes, check us out on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, Podbeam, or Stitcher. To get new episodes sent directly to your phone or smart device, be sure to subscribe. To learn more about how your company can earn up to a 4% Ohio BWC premium rebate by becoming an active member of the Portage County Safety Council, please visit our website at www.portagecountysafetycouncil.wordpress.com. The preceding information is for entertainment purposes only. Views expressed may not reflect the views of any affiliated or sponsoring individuals or organizations. Listeners should carefully weigh information provided and seek advice from an appropriate professional before implementing. Listener discretion is advised.